Hey guys, it's Lori. This episode is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. Check them out at csbible.com. Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast, where it's our mission to talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. This is episode 164, The Spiritual Garden. Hey, Steve, I like that new intro. Hey, I like talking about our mission. Hey, guys, my name is Lori Krieg, and I am your host, and I am joined by licensed therapist, Argyle expert, and my husband, Matt Krieg. Hello. Hey, Matt. And of course, you heard, reading so well our mission (laughs) of this podcast, the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi, guys. Hey, Steve. Man, guys, we are so excited to dive back into our garden series. But before we do, I wanted to let you know that you can join the conversation with Matt and I uh, for your support of Impossible Ministries. That's right. That's what we are called at 15 bucks a month. You guys get to join a prayer team. You get exclusive coupons and conversations with me. I I just throw you on like a Gmail (laughs) group. And I just talk to you guys and share what's going on with the ministry. But in addition, once a month, uh, if you support us for 15 bucks uh, or more a month, Matt and I are doing a 30 minute Q&A where you send us your questions and we interact with you live on the last Wednesday of the month. And it's really mm-hmm. fun. It's actually really cultivating a sweet community. And it's not me promising the world to you guys by saying we're going to do a webinar. Matt, don't you love it when I overpromise? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Especially when I have to be the one to deliver. (laughs) I know. And you are such a trooper and I so love you. Uh, But this is something that's both sustainable, but I was so shocked. We did our first one this last month and just at the camaraderie that it, uh, that it cultivated with you all the best listeners in the world. Uh, But guys, today we are continuing our garden series, which listen back to intro one and two, if you want to know more about that. But if you don't want to, the purpose of this, not only do we have our mission, Again, Steve rocked it out. But the purpose of this garden series is to help us understand that life is more than a timeline. It's, it's like a gorgeous garden that we get the privilege of cultivating alongside each other and gardener God. Uh, and we are focusing on different plots, different garden plots, um, plots. That's not a great word, <laughs> but we are focusing on different plots of in this garden. And today we're talking about the spiritual garden, how we can deepen our union with God. And who is here today to talk about it? I'm so excited. None other than one of my mentors and who God used truly to save my life. Not even exaggerating. The one and only Carolyn Schroeder. Carolyn, welcome. Hi. Hi out there, all of our listeners tonight. Welcome. (laughs) Yes, we're so glad to have you. You guys, if you have read our Journey Well study, or if you have read Impossible Marriage, I refer to this woman. I often joke she's like this spiritual Jedi Master Dumbledore, just someone who walks with God. (laughs) Uh, But she is amazing. Uh, But I just, how I know uh, this dear woman, um, she... uh, when I was wrestling between killing myself or coming out as a lesbian atheist, she stepped in and didn't point me toward heterosexuality. She pointed me toward experiencing the love of God. And that changed everything. So thank you, Carolyn. And today we're going to hear more of her story. But first, let's just get a little bio 
beyond <laughs> my raving review. Uh, but Carolyn was a licensed professional counselor for 35 years. She's no longer practicing. Uh, as much as I may beg her and even send her potential <laughs> clients. Sorry. Uh, but she uh, was wife to her late husband, Chris, for 50 years, an amazing man. We were so privileged to um, walk with him as well, and Matt did in, in a group uh, situation. Um, but together they've been missionaries, pastors. Um, he pastored, and her role was critical alongside him. They mentored hurting ministry leaders, and they raised four kids. Carolyn lives in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and she's still spreading the love and hope of Jesus wherever she goes. Thanks, Carolyn, for being here. You're welcome. Okay, Carolyn, you have actually been on our show back in the day. I feel like it was in the teens, maybe. I don't know. It was way back in the day. Um, And I don't know if we, I think we asked you this question, but I want to hear it again. And this is uh, the question we've asked every guest for the last 160-some episodes. Carolyn, if the gospel is, I am more loved than I imagine, and yet more sinful than I believe, when was the gospel first good news for you, and how do you still need it today? Well, that's a great question. I was 12 years old and had a terrific eye infection that they could not control with medication, and I overheard the doctor saying uh, to my mother, I think we need to have Carolyn's eye taken out, and I was going to be given a um, glass eye. And so I thought that that was about the scariest thing. So I began praying. I began asking God, and I literally bargained with God, and I said, you know, I will serve you the rest of my life if you keep me from having that operation. Hmm. So it, it wasn't like really a sinner kind of prayer, but I meant it sincerely, and um, then that was the first time, and then the next time you're, you're going to hear about in a few minutes uh, as I go into how did I really experientially go into salvation, mm-hmm. and so that's to come in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh, Carolyn, thank you for sharing that. Do you do you want to offer anything just how do you still need Jesus today? How do you still need that good news of the gospel? Oh, every day I invite the Lord to show me where I have forgotten where his love is. Mm-hmm. And as he um, opens those things to me on a daily basis, I I just feel so incredibly grateful. It's like it's the first day, you know, that it happened. And so I think every day brings me material through my failings <laughs> to come back to him and say thank you for mm. what you've done for me. So what was the question you ask him every day? I ask him, you know, how have I turned from your love? Mm-hmm. What have I looked to, you know, in, instead of you? where I'd be um, lost or feeling uncertain or anxious or whatever. But I I generally know, he generally gives me an idea right away, Mm. you know, but it it keeps me soft toward him. It keeps me coming to him to ask that. So that's one of my disciplines. I love it. Yeah. So, Carolyn, you you mentioned that, okay, back when you were young and you, you said, I will serve you with the rest of my life if you 
help me to not have to go through this operation. And, and then here you are a, a number of years later, <laughs> and I'll let you get into that. It had, couldn't be more than five or six <laughs> years later. Um, but what does it for you, like you, you made that vow, and then you cultivated a spiritual walk at, at some point. Along the way, it became more experiential to you. But what does it mean for you to cultivate your spiritual life? Well, of course, I was 12 at the time. So um, for me, it meant at that time going to church, you know, um, doing good, being kind, not fighting with my siblings, all of those kind of doing kind of uh, actions. And, and that's pretty much how I believe for a, a large point of my life. I um, thought that I had to become a better and better person. Um, I was set on that and thinking that this was, was the way you know Christians are. But um, I found that it was by the time I got married, anyway, that wasn't working for me. Hmm. And um, I, I thought that I had to do better and prove myself, um, read a lot of books, tried to earn my husband's love, tried to be the best wife out there and the best Christian woman I could. Um, but I, I, I lacked. I hit bottom, and in that period of striving, um, God showed me through his loving kindness what I was trying to do to get my love from him and my spouse as well. Um, and that was really the best that I could offer, and it, it wasn't cutting it. So um, I call that re the religious pursuit hmm. of uh, righteousness or whatever, but I was just wearing myself out going about Christianity that way. Mm -hmm. And it, there certainly wasn't a lot of fruit in my life um, because my body wasn't made to handle that kind of stress. And God was bringing me to the end of trying to live his life. He was in me, you know, the, when I invited him to. And he's the only one that can really lead the Christian life. Hmm. And but I, I didn't understand that concept at that time of my life. Um, but um, I didn't need to improve myself. He wasn't waiting for me to do that. But it was to unlearn the tendencies that I had in trying to achieve what mm -hmm. I've already had in him. That was his very self. Hmm. So I, I learned to change my thinking through the years um, Instead of acquiring or cultivating a spirituality, it was actually getting in touch with the person mm -hmm. that is my life. Yeah. Does that make almost, sense? Matt? Almost more surrendering yes. to it and, and going from this like performance based achieving, achieving kind identity of thing. to just Receiving. utter dependence on his grace and then falling in love with him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That you got it. You got it. <laughs> so. I was reading through some of your notes earlier today, and you used the phrase, like you said, I was, um, you you saw that you were trying to become God. And then, Carolyn, all of a sudden, I started getting into my own life, as one does. <laughs> and you realize, like, oh, wow, I need some help. But I was like, 
I, I saw in my own heart and mind um, that I try and earn my salvation in, through being perfect and performing. And you could probably look in my therapy notes from about 15 years ago and be like, yeah, you did it then too, Lori. <laughs> but I just have been increasingly aware of my um, slavery to feeling like I have to be perfect but then I, I didn't make that connection until I read it in your notes about like, why are you trying to be God? Can you help us understand that? Like that kind of awareness that you came to of, I'm not, instead of letting God be God, I'm trying to be God. Can you help us understand that a little bit? You mean why that takes over in our thinking? Yeah. And like how it connects to like a performance centered identity. I, I think where it happens, at least what what I'm aware in myself, is that as children, something will happen along the way where our parents aren't there for us, right? Or they give us a wrong response to instead of comfort, we get shame, which is what happened to me at age 12, all right? Mm-hmm. So uh, sharing with mom something that happened at school, and I was really angry, and she said, Carolyn, you don't, you're not really feeling that way, are you? And I, I thought, I guess not. I guess it's not okay. I guess I just need to shut that down. So I made a decision, or a vow, we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I made a decision not to feel my negative emotions. Mm-hmm. And of course, when you make that about negative ones, it really carries over to even the positive ones. And so our joy is also guarded. So by learning that, Laurie, um, I've set in motion uh, a false self. I pretended. I pretended to uh, be loving when I felt hate or anger. I felt when I felt angry, I pretended to feel calm. And um, Mm -hmm. when I was uh, afraid, I tried to appear brave. All right, all kind of things that uh, you would do if you didn't want to become shamed again or Mm -hmm. rejected again. All right, so I was trying to to put on this persona, and I think that's the root for me where I started to develop the idea that I'm not going to be cared for, so I've got to do something to make things acceptable in my parents' world. So we're, we're projecting onto them. They're, they're telling us, okay, you're not really okay. So if I'm not okay, then I have to find a way to get their love and attention, and that's mm-hmm. going to be to perform. At least that's what happened to me. So I'm trying to like bring it to where our listeners might be feeling and they might be like, oh man, like that is how I grew up. And for me right now though, I'm just jumping to so many of us, our lives are lived online. And Matt, you and I have had so many conversations where I'm like, I get so anxious about posting things. I get so, because you kind of do have to clean it up. You do have to say things in an exact perfect way that's what the world tells you, or they will reject you. They will yell at you. And so I find for me, that's like the worst, that's my worst 
me <laughs> is like my it's not it, I'm being as honest as I can but I get so anxious and it can carry over into my real life relationship but Carolyn I know for you it was so critical from going from a performance centered identity which I can imagine as a pastor's wife a missionary as a trying to be perfect for your husband and mom like you had to take it from your skin to your heart or your mind to your heart what was that journey like to experiencing God? That's what I love to talk about, Lori, um, because it's where I found my true self. And yeah. uh, I don't think that that's possible without having an experience uh, of God's love for me. And um, because all this energy was pent up, as you said, to try to please and perform and the idea that there's someone that loves you, that loves you at your worst, um, you haven't experienced yet. So you're always uh, wondering and contriving. Um, and so what what happens is um, my life my life crashed in my early marriage and middle marriage and and to marriage i mean it it was kind of god uses marriages to help break up that false self what and um yeah really <laughs> so with me um th- this was was what god used and so that i could get in touch with it's not working anymore for me to control my life for me to try to put in um, things, I mean, all the books I read, all the knowledge I, that I used to try to be the perfect wife, it just wasn't cutting it, Lori. Mm-hmm. And um, God had to get me to the place of being powerless and desperate for him so that I could be a receiver. Mm-hmm. Okay. Up to that point, I'm it. I'm responsible. I'm responsible for the broken marriage. I'm responsible for kids that mess up. I'm responsible because of the performance thing that already was going on. So anyway, what did God do to allow me to fall into his love in a, in a understandable, experiential way? Well, I'd like to tell you about that experience, and it happened that I was invited to go to Ashland, Ohio, and I heard um, Dr. Terry Wardle, who was newly out of his own healing of, what would you call, a breakdown, mm-hmm. breakdown in his life. He was had been hospitalized as a seminary professor and... Um, yeah, just had a role, a pastor of a church, and he crashed. He just literally crashed. Well, he, after his healing, which I won't go into because this is about what he did, what God did in my life, but it was at this conference that I met Christ experientially for the first time. And it was during a visual prayer exercise led by Father Francis McNutt. And he asked us in the auditorium to picture Christ coming toward us at a time of personal pain and he wanted Christ wanted to engage with us well this so freaked me out I began to uh, tear up and well up and I just wanted to run out of that auditorium Mm -hmm. Um, 
I couldn't imagine Jesus wanting to come to me and especially have me share something deeply painful with him. Oh. Um, so th- this it, it was a new paradigm for me, and um, I had nothing to offer him. I was a broken woman at that point, and my marriage was a mess. And yet when I actually surrendered to the desperateness of that situation and my own weakness and powerlessness, I began to feel this warm flow of his liquid love just filling my being, my senses, and I sensed him, and I felt his tears. I felt his compassion for me Hmm. in a deep way. Um, I didn't want to run from him. Um, It seemed like all the lies that I believed about God, that he wouldn't be there for me, he wouldn't care, Mm -hmm. he doesn't love me, he wouldn't come through for me, seemed to dissolve in his presence. Mm -hmm. And when I dropped my my defenses, I was able to openly grieve and felt loved at the same time. So having been seen at my worst— and still loved and understood, that to me was my experience that broke that whole performance thing. And so it was his presence, and I never knew that that was anything possible. Nobody had ever described or brought me into that kind of an experience. And um, so I had this new idea of my Lord, as someone that not just intellectually cared about me, but Mm -hmm. experientially showed up Mm -hmm. in my place of deepest, darkest pain. Um, And I could come to him now without fear of his judgment. And up to this point, uh, this was all a brand new thing. Hey guys, it's Lori. And Matt. And Steve. Hey guys, we have recently discovered a new to us translation of the Bible called the Christian Standard Bible. And you know what? We love it. (laughs) Currently, we really like the Holy Land Illustrated Edition. Yeah, I love that one because I've never been to Israel or Turkey or anything. And so to like see those places while I'm reading. Yeah, it just it makes you feel like uh, like you're experiencing it without having to drop a few thousand dollars to do so. Uh, Yeah. So, guys, if you want to check out this Holy Land Illustrated Bible, visit csbholylandillustratedbible.com. And we'll put that link in the show notes. We have people who reach out and they're like, I want to experience God the way you guys can describe. Now, I want to take you guys back. Carolyn just uh, described her encounter with God. And maybe you're listening and you're like, that sounds crazy. I hope you're still listening. Just bear with us. Um, so I remember meeting Carolyn and you you would say that to me. I remember it was multiple times because even just how you said it, I just remembered back to some of the first uh, counseling appointments we had. And I, you'd say, you need to experience God, Lori. Have you had an experience with him? And I'm like, I don't, what are, what are these words? <laughs> like, I hear you. Like, yeah, maybe on a mission trip. I like heard his voice. I know he's here. I know a lot, like I knew a lot in my mind, but like you said, Carolyn, I was in a place where you were. And Steve, I know you could jump in and offer your own story. Matt, you could too, where you're so stinking desperate and you're at the end of yourself and you're like, I know what I can in my head. 
I need an experience in my heart. And some of you reaching out to us have said, I want to experience that too. I just want to assure you listening that these experiences are with the Bible over your eyes and ears and mouth. And it's not like you're going to hear something crazy that's contradictory to the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we have in our store, we have Lament 1.0 and 2.0, where Matt and I kind of dive into the theology of this, if, in case you guys want to know more about it. But back to you, Carolyn. Did you want to continue this story? or okay? Can, can, well, I, can I jump yeah, in? Go, I felt yeah, like so, Matt had a question. Yeah, yeah go for it. I mean, okay, so you're describing this, this moment where we're, you're taking, you're picturing Jesus coming to you in this place of deep pain. Mm-hmm. And unlike what you describe, you know, when you were 11, 12, or you were, were met with editing, you, mm-hmm. oh, you don't really feel that way. It was like, rather than feeling that editing, that judgment, it, you were met with compassion. You felt his tears, that his, mm-hmm. his emotions didn't just like neutrally say, oh, this is okay. It was like, I am meeting you here with my own emotion for what you are feeling. Mm-hmm. And, and I know for myself, that's the that's thing. When I look at me and Lori's marriage, there have been so many times when she's like, can't you just get mad at me instead of seeing both sides? Like, <laughs> or mad love. with me. Like, just let me feel. And I know that I've asked her the same thing. Can you not edit my emotions? I'm feeling this. You're saying I should be here, but I'm here. Can you just let it be there? And, and it just seems like that is such an incredible, important thing that only, well, I won't say only God, only God can do it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And, and we try to, but it's, we, we are so fallen that we have such a hard time just meeting people in that emotional space. Mm-hmm. And it seems like for you, there, there was just, there's this constant need to remember that. Mm-hmm. And, and so are there, are there ways that you find yourself doing that, like consistently, daily, to, to pull yourself back into this remembering space of God's care for you, his meeting you? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, Matt. Um, in fact, um, it's so important. I, 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 I was so hungry to get this experience back and know, can there be a walk that keeps me consistently in this place of feeling, again, chosen, wanted, desired, grateful, loved, and I could walk in that every day, all the time. I mean, what, it, what I got in touch with was Christ in me is all of those things. Hmm. And, and if I can keep that, not just as a mental memory, but as an experiential every day, and and so um, I would I would be happy to share with you some of those ways that God led me after this experience to develop um, understanding more a contemplative relationship with Christ and what that looked like. Um, the first one was a time maybe that you might have had like I did, where you felt a loving presence um, out in nature or in a forest or along hmm. Lake Michigan or somewhere on a mountaintop. Um, with me as a child, it was under a group of spruce trees. And there I felt so alone, but nobody was there to tell me what to do. I was just feeling this presence, this love in that space of being hidden hidden away. 
And um, so even to this day, um, my condo is lined with spruce trees. And they would just remind me, because it's all around me, of this special place that I had um, way back when I was a little girl. Hmm. But to bring it up to date is that's a place that I can go. I call it my safe place. So I can recapture um, the wonder and the uh, emotion of this quiet place where I felt this love and Mm. peace. And some listeners out there might have a place that is coming to their mind. It might be on the porch of your grandma or in a rocking chair or, you know, I mean, it could be in a spaceship. I mean, it could be an imaginary place, too. But anyway, the whole point of finding and asking the Lord for a safe place is that they might be real places, but they might be places that he'd want to bring you to so that you can let your guard down or your pretenses about him and actually imagine him coming along that beach shore or along that lake or sitting with you on the beach and actually bring him there with you. Hmm. Um, Those were experiences that I started to do with uh, a prayer practice called Centering Prayer. I had a friend, Cindy, who who, uh, had been doing this and her therapist had been researching what happens when a person sits into Centering Prayer. And the uh, thesis was that these people even with 10 to 15 minutes of day of going in silence to be in touch with the spirit inside of us, that changed these clients and they lost their anxiety and they began to live a more peaceful life. Hmm. So that really appealed to me and I researched it. I went to a group centering prayer um, here in Grand Rapids. In fact, at that time, They were all over. Protestant and Catholic churches had centering prayer groups. But I really um, found that for me to get into a place of 20 minutes of silence, I needed that imaginary place to go to first. And one of the things that helped me was a big chair in my basement that was an overstuffed chair, and I would just sit in that with my legs across the um, arms and then... I would imagine myself being sitting on the Lord's lap. So that this was another way that God used my imagination and as well as the trees. But anyway, the, the, the purpose of the centering prayer was to get in awe of his presence and bring back his, his love into that situation. And I couldn't conjure that up, mm. but, but God gives us imaginations for helping us calm ourselves to help us to be in different places. I mean, it's a it's a gift from him. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful gift from him. Especially and, if you've got little kids running around or the stress yeah. of roommates or whomever. I love this practice. I probably do it more like five minutes, but just where I'm like, I would love to be on a mountaintop alone right now in the summer. <laughs> but look, it's a blizzard and there's three little children. Where'd these kids come from? <laughs> and a dog. So to go and be quiet and then you invite Jesus into the scene, Carolyn, to be with you. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. For and, me, doing that in a... 
I it helps me to even know because I'm like, yeah, I mean, Jesus, we tight. But then, like, I invite him into the scene, and I'm like, why do I want him so far away? Oh, I'm actually very mad at him. <laughs> and then you can <laughs> invite him closer, or just at least assess where you're at, and then go take care of the dog. A couple of other things, Lori and Matt, um, is there's an app called Lectio 365, and Lectio is an old practice of meditative uh, practice on on listening to scripture and through repetitive readings of a passage maybe three or four times but you're listening for the Lord to bring out a word for you and then walk that word into your experience what is it what does it mean to you Hmm. and um, it's so you can use just the scriptures by yourself to do this practice, and you can read read about it online, or you could try this app because they actually walk you through um, every day. You can go on there. Um, another one I use now is um, it's a podcast called Ten Ten, and she'll take something like, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. All right. And she'll bring that with soft music and a background and, and visual, helping you to visualize what does it mean to sit in the grass on, on a field and having the Lord be your shepherd. Hmm. And it's, it's one of these things that combines both the um, idea of a meditative experience and uh, the scripture to to ground us with we're not just off in some space with uh, uh, a guru this is Jesus that we're inviting and we have to specify you know that it's him that we want to speak with and hear um, how how do you know though like I'll get some pushback sometimes when I you know I'm a big fan of studying the scripture and you know filling our minds and then as well as these contemplative, contemplative practices because they saved my life but how do you know if what you're hearing or seeing is biblical or if it's like that crazy like how do how do you know if if it's from the Lord or not well that's a good question what I feel is that is it is does it come to me in the character of who Jesus is that we see in the Bible? Yes. Yeah. It has to have. Um, it has to be peaceful. It has to come in the way of of His grace and His mercy and His love. If there's darkness involved, if there's uh, fear involved, uh, that's not from the Lord because perfect love will cast out fear. So then you just need to address, mm-hmm. you know, the enemy, and you don't have to be afraid. You just say, you know, I resist you in the name of Jesus, and um, you have no right to this time. This belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And just go back in and see that the darkness is gone, and then proceed. I love that, and that is such, you know, I've used that wisdom in guiding other people and in walking with myself, but also he will never say something that will contradict scripture. So right. like, even if it's in the essence of, you know, this, the peace and the love there, he's never, his words are never going to be something that contradicts scripture, which is why we need, you know, good doctrine, good theology. And so for hearing something, even if it makes us feel a certain way, mm-hmm. we got to check it um, with scripture. Right. 
um, experiential, too, for me, is the idea of coming to him uh, for this daily practice of forgiveness and cleansing. Huh. So when when we have blocked um, sin and we haven't brought it before the Lord, then there is a heaviness in our hearts. And it says, if there's sin in our hearts, the Lord will not hear us. So there is going to be a block there. So we can't have these intimate experiences with him unless we we are you know, having short conversations of, Lord, cleanse me. You know, what's the block? What? Because that is really um, where we need to do this this daily cleansing, which I feel is so important. Can you talk about that? Actually, where I think about, because um, even it's just funny how like sin has become a four letter word, and I think because it's so tied to self hatred and shame. And so, like, even how you're talking right now, I'm kind of in awe of how gentle you are with yourself of like, it's not like look for sin and then kill it and stab yourself. Mm -hmm. It's like, like, how how do you engage sinful areas in your heart without self-hatred or shame? Well, I realize that shame is from the enemy. So having God put the spotlight on my heart mm. is only love. It only comes from his heart to want the very best for me. And and Satan wants to accuse us and thinks that that's the way that we're going to not want to bring it to God. But the Lord says, um, I love you in your brokenness. See, that's where we have to, I had to uh, see that my acknowledgement of sin was no longer going to be shaming me. Mm. It was going, because it really draws me to to the Lord. So So you're saying, whereas before in your performance-centered identity, seeing any sin or any imperfection would drive you to head down, self-hatred, hide. But because you had that experience with the Lord where he saw you at your worst and loved you Mm -hmm. in your worst, and then you're also engaging these ongoing practices of daily trying to seek uh, union with him. Mm -hmm. And then then the search my heart and know me, God, like David says, Mm -hmm. isn't this like uh, shame fest. It's mm-hmm. not a I'm worthless fest. It's a search my heart and know me so that I can experience more of your love, mm-hmm. Lord. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And when Satan is involved accusing us, we're to, to say, you know, well, thank you for reminding me that of that. And I'm just going to praise God. I'm just going to thank him because, you know, he's trying to accuse us to run and and that God says in Romans 8 there is therefore now no condemnation so my sins cannot condemn me mm. because there's a there's a solution to sin mm. and every day I take that solution you um, take that solution yeah I you do. receive it yeah it's like um you know, God made our bodies to have the process of elimination, right? Yeah. We get rid of the toxins every day. And he gave us spiritually this gift of cleansing for our, our souls that 
that keep us uh, weighed down. And so I, I see it the same way as we, we cleanse ourselves daily, physically, and we cleanse ourselves, and there's no shame in that, right? I, uh, I will never forget, Carolyn, this is so powerful now, but then I will never forget, I remember head hanging, coming to you about, I don't know, whatever I was dealing with in that moment. And I was like, ugh, another area I gotta work on. And you just had this big smile on your face and you're like, Lori, I love when the Lord pinpricks areas in my life that I get to uproot with him because it just makes more room for his love. Mm-hmm. I was like, this lady, bananas. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was more like, I see what you're saying and I wanna believe it. So I love that. Mm-hmm. Matt, what do you got? I'm, I'm kind of just thinking about the, the whole, the, the physical and spiritual kind of correlation. And, mm-hmm. and you, you say we get rid of the toxins daily. We also get rid of what's unnecessary. Well, yeah. Daily. And, and like from a physical standpoint, I'm like, man, how, how many times have I harped on my own sin? Yes, that's toxic, but, but what is the unnecessary stuff that I also maybe need to give over? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I feel like that's what you spoke to me. But, hey, there's a lot of other people also listening. If there is someone listening out there that feels like I am maybe just too far gone, I'm, I'm not you, I'm not. You know, I'm not Lori, I'm not, I'm not this superstar Christian, whatever. I don't even know how to take a first step. Would you have a blessing or an encouragement to, to kind of speak over them? Sure. Well, if that's you out there in our audience tonight, um, if this is speaking to you and, and you just don't have the strength to engage with God or your, your stuff, I'm just wondering if you would be willing to allow him to take the step toward you. Mm. Be that receiver. See, the other way, it's about you having to do something. And what I'm inviting you into is to be a receiver tonight. And if that's true of you, if you like to follow me in a prayer, if this is what you are open to doing, let's just bow your head right where you are, and follow me by repeating, Jesus, I need you to come tonight and touch my heart with what I most need right now as I don't even know what I need. Let me know that you're here for me, Jesus. Let me know that you're, you see me and you know what I'm going through and what I am most fearful of. And would you come and touch those places that I don't even have energy for right now? And then in your imagination, I hear him saying, My beloved one, you are most precious to me. The places in your life where you feel the most fearful, the most regretful, the most shameful, are where I want to shine my love, my compassion, and my mercy. I would like to carry that for you. And then it will come to become the place where my glory shines through. I will take what the enemy has done to you to wound you, and I will bring myself into that very pain for you. If you consider acknowledging the pain that others have inflicted and give it to me, 
knowing that I've come to carry this off of you and put it on myself, you'll be able to walk in peace and goodness and kindness. This is my desire for you. All you have to do is open your heart and receive my life into those places. Only a life lived in anticipation of my goodness can live in the chaos we live in. I am devoted in empowering you for whatever you face. You can live above your circumstances when you focus on me, wait on me, and remain. I will give you my perspective of your next step. I've chosen you and desire to have intimacy with you. When you're vulnerable with me, I make you inaccessible to the enemy. I bless you tonight with a joy and anticipation of celebrating who I am for you. In every circumstance, know that I am with you to bless you. For there is nothing that can defeat my purposes for you. Oh, Carolyn, you should have your own app. <laughs> I got like chills. I'm like, oh, I feel so peaceful and Jesus loves me. But seriously, Carolyn, uh, I will have that. We're going to post that prayer if you're willing uh, in the show notes for people if they want to read through it. Um, and just to even pray it over themselves. Uh, just, I don't know. It, I, I like want to read it and I want to receive it more in my heart. But just thanks for sharing your heart and your life, Carolyn. And um, uh, the world is, we're, we, I don't want to say the world, we are so desperate and we so desperately need not just head stuff anymore. Like it has got to be in our hearts and in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so thank you for practically sharing some steps with us today. You're welcome. All right, guys, man, if you're like me, you've been so blessed by this conversation. Carolyn, thank you again for joining us. Uh, guys, thanks for being a part of our podcast family. And if you want to join that support and join Matt and I uh, on a monthly conversation, you can go to lauricreek.com. But for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you guys next week.